gather this morning in the name of Jesus for one reason, to declare your worth, to give you worship, to to really mean it, Lord, that it's not just a lyric in a song. We are so captivated by your love that we believe that one day in your presence is way better than a thousand days apart from you. Lord, one, just one day would be worth it. And the good news is we're going to have more than one day. Because you came, you gave yourself for us, you've given us everything um, that's true of your son now, and you've covered up everything that's not of your son in us. And so just like Jesus spends eternity in the presence of the Father, now we do too. And today is just, just practice. Today is just like a day where we get to We get to go for that here on earth in preparation of what will be someday forever. So we gather this morning to give you worship. And we invite your Holy Spirit to worship through us and in us. Call us back to the heart of worship this morning. Remind us of why we're really here. Meet us in this place However we come into this place, meet us in this moment. Transform our hearts and bubble worship from deep within us, out of us, together for your glory. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated, church. I I love the lyrics of that psalm that we just sang. We just sang words from a psalm. Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Matter of fact, uh, next week, our our friend Rachel Reinick is going to be joining us. She's going to be preaching. She's going to be preaching out of that psalm. Psalm 84, kind of going to wrap up the, the last of our summer guest speakers. So we look forward to hearing how God has been speaking to her, not just recently, but throughout her life through Psalm 84. I want to begin... Uh, by, by reading a passage this morning from Revelation. It's a, you've heard this, but uh, I just want to read it this morning sort of as a picture of what will be. And this is John. He's, he's sort of caught up in this heavenly realm and uh, he's inspired through the Holy Spirit and he pens these words. He said, after this, I looked And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Tongue, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne And to the Lamb. And then if you were to continue reading, you read about like all the angels were standing around. I mean, this is a picture of what is in the heavenlies and what will be our reality someday. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation gathered around the Lamb, worshiping Jesus. And that word language just strikes me. When I read that and I thought about, you know, the series that we're in. 
Because um, the, the truth is, we all speak a language. We all have a primary base first language. Now, some of us speak a second language, maybe a third or a fourth language. How many of you have a second language besides English? Speak a second language. It's great, a few of us. Anybody speak more than two languages, like three or more? Yeah, that's where we all drop off, you know. I didn't even make the first cut, so blessings on you guys. But, but I just think about language. No matter what your primary language, your first language, your base language is, the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is for everyone a universal worship language. And, and so we're, we're in this series in the month of August called Psalms, Worship as a Second Language. And that's really what the Psalms are. Psalms really um, technically are just sacred songs or poems often used, you know, in worship. The Psalms have been used in worship for centuries, for centuries. King David is maybe the first person that we have a record of who took Psalms or poems or sacred songs and used them intentionally in worship. Use them in worship devotionally, but not just privately, but also in public expressions of worship. Um, Psalms were used in the temple worship of David's day. I would encourage you to just write this down. Write down 1 Chronicles 15 and 16. That might be fun to go read this week. 1 Chronicles 15 and 16. In there, you're going to read about King David, how he organizes all these musicians and he organizes um, all these singers together. And, and David even wrote a psalm. He wrote a psalm, a song. And he gave it to these musicians and to these singers. And they sung it in worship to the Lord in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Portions of which are, are found scattered throughout what we call the book of Psalms. By the second temple... Um, it was so organized that certain psalms were assigned to different days of the week. And they would sing certain psalms depending on the day of the week. Psalms were a part of synagogue worship in the early church. And then you get to the early church and and you get to the home churches and the, 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 the groups that would gather, the oikos, the spiritual family that would gather in homes. Worship existed on this, this spectrum between temple or synagogue in home. And Psalms found their place in that setting as well. Uh, Colossians three sixteen, Paul says this, he's writing to the early church, the early church that would meet in homes. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and you admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. What we call the book of Psalms were an integral part of worship in the early church. And they continue to be up to today. Um, Some of you uh, might remember this. I was at a wedding uh, this, this Saturday, actually. It was Friday night. I was at a wedding Friday night. Some of you know the Duluth family, Steve Duluth. He used to be part of the community here. His son, Nate, got married. I was attending his wedding. It was at Second Reformed in Zealand, kind of a more traditional church, very beautiful, nice setting. And I'm sitting there in the pew, right? Remember pews? And um, there's these books. There's these books in front of you in the pews. And uh, there's a Bible, of course, but then there's these Psalter hymnals. You guys remember that? Anybody grow up maybe in the Reformed or Christian Reformed tradition? Maybe even the Presbyterian Church. Brendan, do they have the Psalter hymnal? Where's Brendan? Yeah, 
they have the Psalter hymnal in, in the Presbyterian tradition. Like, remember growing up with the Psalter hymnal? Psalter really just means book of Psalms, especially Psalms used for liturgical use and worship. I remember growing up um, like the Psalter hymnal um, in, in Rehoboth Reformed Church in Lucas, Michigan. I, I, so I did a little study on the Psalter hymnal. I think the first Psalter hymnal was maybe red in color, and then I think it transitioned, you know, in 1959 to maybe blue in color. I don't know what colors came after that. I forget. I don't know if there was a green, but I think it's gray now. The color, the, the cover of the Psalter hymnal is gray. I was sitting in Second Reformed Church for Nate DeLoof's wedding Friday night, and in front of me was a Psalter hymnal. I don't know if they use the word Psalter on it anymore, but I flipped it open, and I started reading the introduction to the Psalter hymnal. And it, and it said this, it, it said, one of the greatest gifts of life in Jesus Christ is the gift and the privilege of worship. To draw near to God, to receive God's word, to respond in thanksgiving, in praise, lament, and confession, to receive the signs and the seals of God's love and baptism and the Lord's Supper, to testify to God's faithfulness, to contemplate God's promises, and to dedicate our lives in service of God. All of it, whether in public worship, like this, whether in public worship, or in the echoes of public worship that resound through other aspects of church life and personal devotion becomes a gift through the work of the Holy Spirit who unites us with our ascended Lord and helps us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. What a gift it is to lift up our hearts to God. And further, what a gift it is to participate in all of this together with other voices in our worshiping communities, and with all members of Christ's body throughout time and space. I just, I found myself just loving the, the richness of that and, and, and recalling the, the memories of singing songs out of the Psalter hymnal. My point is, Psalms, the book of Psalms, have always been a central ingredient in the worship of God by the body of Christ. It's the, the Psalms are a gift. They're a gift to us as community. Psalms give language to our worship. So this morning, what I want to do simply is I just want to use the Psalms to worship the Lord. I just want to like facilitate an experience of that this morning. So you, you might have caught on already that we're mixing things up a little bit. Like, how come he's up here talking already? We only sang one song. We're supposed to sing three songs and collect an offering, then have the message. We're just going to mix it up a little bit this morning. Those other things I just mentioned, even the offering, that'll happen at some point. But we're just going to do it a little different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak a little bit first, okay? And uh, I was going to invite us to kind of make sure we kind of come close and together. But I think we have a, we're spread out good enough because so, we're going to have some interaction here this morning as well. So let's pray and let's dive into it. So Lord, uh, as, as we kind of take this trek, this journey together as family, as community, as the worshiping body called Victory Point, um, we invite you to take lead. We invite the Holy Spirit to stir us, to speak to us, to convict us, to challenge us, to speak to us. Um, because we want to hear from our Lord this morning and more so, we want our Lord to hear from us how much we think about him, how, how much we love him, how much we uh, 
bless you, Lord, and adore you and want to glorify you this morning, that we are very aware of all, not just that you've done for us, but of who you are. And we want to respond rightly and accordingly together in worship this morning. May that be so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, scattered throughout our morning this morning, like I said, we're going to use the Psalms in worship. I've invited a few people from among us to read Psalms, okay? And the first person to read Psalms this morning is Liam. So Liam, can you come on up here and join me? You guys, like, welcome Liam up here. <laughs> Liam's going to read one of the most popular Psalms of worship. Psalm 100. So thanks for helping out this morning, Liam. I appreciate that. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his court with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love enders forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Right on, man. That's good. Thank you so much. Thanks. Liam, thank you for that invitation you just gave all of us. There's a particular line in there that I want to draw attention to that that Liam just read to us. It's verse 4. Verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, I used to think when, when I read that or thought of that, that here's how it worked. God's presence, when I come into God's presence praise will spring forth. And I, while I think that's true, you guys, I think what's also true is I think what the psalmist means in Psalm 100 or the invitation that the psalmist gives us, that that Liam just read to us, I think it also means that we're expected to enter into this place with praise in thanksgiving. We don't just come here to activate it. We enter into his courts with thanks and praise already filling me. It's not just Sunday morning or public worship that fuels or activates my private devotion or worship. There's a reverse flow in this too. It's both and. That both are necessary. That um, the, the public worship, that what we call Sunday morning gathering, yes, it does stimulate and activate and fuel our private lives of worship. But our private lives of worship that we've been engaging in, you know, Monday through Saturday, also activate and fuel and stimulate our public worship together. Oswald Chambers, I love reading Oswald Chambers. My utmost for his highest, I think, next to the Bible is one of the best devotional books out there. Um, he says this, He says, a private relationship of worshiping God is the greatest essential element of spiritual fitness. I'm going to read it again. A private relationship of worshiping God is the greatest essential element of spiritual fitness. How is your spiritual fitness today? 
Let's talk about fitness. Let me tell you what I did yesterday, okay? Yesterday, if you follow me on Facebook, you, you might know this already, but yesterday I ran a marathon. You may clap if you want. I would hope, yeah. I was hoping I wouldn't even have to ask for the clapping, that you would just clap. I ran a marathon relay, okay? Like, in full disclosure, I participated in a full marathon relay, which means I ran one-fourth of a marathon yesterday, okay? But I still think I ran a marathon yesterday, and I'm going to get one of those stickers on my car that says 26.2, because as a team, we ran 20, we actually ran probably 28 miles as a team. But I participated in a marathon relay. It was called the Riley Trails Marathon Relay. I have a picture of our team. You will recognize my teammates. This is us flexing at the end of the, of the experience. I know, like, all you see is Crozier's biceps right now, but... I mean, Tara and Leslie, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, and myself, we each ran about seven miles, and then we would tag each other, and then the next person would go. And it was a ton of fun, and it was a really good time. But I got thinking about that. I got thinking about um, the role that each of us played in the overall experience. You know, even though we did it sort of for fun, it wasn't a huge competition or anything like that. Like, we all trained. We all trained, like, not aggressively, at least I didn't. Like, we didn't train, like, seriously, but we were out there running. Crozier and I ran six and a half miles last Saturday in preparation for yesterday. I mean, we we each trained on our own, privately, individually, in preparation for what we were going to do together. And I started thinking about that, you know, when when it comes to worship. And I started thinking about our experiences on Sunday morning. Like, if, if I hadn't trained... For, for that relay yesterday, if all I did for the last three months was just sit on the couch and binge Netflix movies or TV shows and ate whatever I wanted and never did anything, you know, that looked or resembled like exercise, I really would have let my team down. They would have suffered because of my lack of preparation. I wonder sometimes if that is true in the spiritual realm when it comes to worship. When it comes to, you know, our private lives of worship coming together in a public gathering on Sunday mornings. Here's the thing. Sunday mornings, you know, when we get together and, and we, we worship, you know, we, we sing some songs, you know, as an expression of worship. They aren't just the warm-up to the message. The worship is the message. Worship is what it's all about. Worship is what we're after. It's why we gather. It's the sole goal of of why we gather together. And the warm-up for that, that takes place outside of here. That takes place outside of here, you know, Monday through Saturday. Um, It takes place before the event. This, like this thing that we're all attending right now or participating in, um, you know, this right here, this isn't just where you come and you get filled. I mean, it kind of is, but this is also just as much um, where we need you to come overflowing. We need you to come overflowing into each other. And if we don't, if we don't come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving, we're sort of letting our teammates down. Everybody's running their own race at their own pace, but hopefully we're all out there running. And when we come together, it contributes to what we do here on a Sunday morning. Now, I get it. 
I totally get it because I'm there sometimes. Sometimes I get it. You come on a Sunday morning and you're just empty. Life has beat you up. You're in the desert. You're in the wilderness. You're in a battle. And you're just empty. And all you can do is just get yourself here and get filled. There's a place for that. And that's legitimate. But I just want us to think about this this morning. If this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in this building, if this is your only filling station for the week, If this is your only act of worship during the week, this will never be enough. And this will never meet your expectations. Because you cannot survive on on one meal a week. This will never be all it can be. This will never be all it's intended to be. Public worship is an overflow of a life of private worship. You come this morning, I come this morning to overflow the worship we're already engaged in in our lives. So I just asked this question. Comes out of the, you know, what, what Liam just read to us. Are you entering these courts on Sundays with thanksgiving and praise already in you, ready to burst forth, excited to take a week's worth of private worship and overflow it publicly with your brothers and sisters? You know, Brendan last week, uh, before he spoke on Psalm 37, was up here just sharing a few words about worship. And one, one thing he said just caught me and has convicted me and has been weighing on me. He, he said that our, our worship, our Sunday morning expression of worship is ultimately a sign and reflection of our discipleship. It is. That really challenged me. And that really got me thinking. And, and I had to be honest with myself you know, that, that sometimes when I sit, you know, and stand and, and worship with us on a Sunday morning, sometimes um, I question, like, I think we're making disciples, but I think we still have a long way to go. Because, it, it, you know, I have this expectation of what it should look like on a Sunday morning. And sometimes to me, it feels too quiet and it feels too, like, disengaged. And then I start getting, you know, judgmental. And then I have to look at my own life and like, Matt, how are you doing? Like, are you all in this morning? Are, are you bringing, you know, an overflow of praise and thanksgiving? And I got really convicted about that. And, and what, I've, what I've come to realize and what I want to remind us of this morning is worship is a choice. Worship is always a choice. You always have a choice to worship. Disciples of Jesus can get together anywhere with any number of people, with any music or not any music at all, and worship. You can. I can. We can. Our worship experience is not on them, although they're sitting down right now. It's not on them, whoever them is up here on a particular Sunday morning. Our worship experience is not on them. It's on us. It's, it's on me. It is. Do you know, like... I'm just going to be a little challenging here, just for a second, okay? Then we'll get back to some encouragement. Um, but do, do you know how, like, weary and sad and mad and frustrated, like, I get sometimes as a pastor or as a leader, sometimes when you hear, maybe through the grapevine, you know, a Christian say, not you guys, but other Christians in other places, say things like, I didn't get fed. Worship wasn't that good. What do we mean when we say things like that? What are we implying about what worship is or, or what the public gathering is supposed to be all about? This isn't a show, you guys. This isn't a show. This isn't a performance. 
This is a room full of individuals who's been, who ideally have been living a lifestyle of worship all week, coming together and overflowing that, opening up the floodgates of that and overflowing that into the greater body in worship. That's, that's, what, that's what this is. And that's what this is about. And that's why it's dependent upon each of us living lives of worship each week. And that's ultimately what worship is. What is worship? Worship isn't an event. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is all of life. Worship is responding to the greatness and the glory of God. Not just with songs. Not just with psalms. But with all of who we are. Worship isn't something we go to. It's our whole life response to God. Worship is giving all of who we are in response to all of who God is. It's a lifestyle. Don't you love the way Paul talks about it in Romans 12? Familiar passage to most of us. Romans 12. Paul says, you want to know what your spiritual act of worship is? It's offering your whole body, your whole self, everything you have, all that you are, as a living sacrifice to God. That's worship. That's a life of worship. Really what, it, what worship come down to, what it comes down to is the God of the universe. The God of the universe who created everything, spoke everything into place. Everything that we see, all that is unseen. The one who then um, conquered sin and death and has forgiven us and saved us from eternal separation from God and then gives us inheritance makes us heirs with Jesus Christ to all that the kingdom is and has to offer. It's it's asking like, what is that God worth to me? What is he worth to me? Is he worth a lifetime and a lifestyle of gratitude and adoration and service? Or is he worth to me just a couple songs on a Sunday morning? What is God worth to me? And how am I going to live in response to him? It's challenging. It's convicting. I don't know if you're feeling convicted or challenged this morning, but I'm speaking to myself, especially this morning. How do I come in here? What's my expectations? Am I expecting someone else to prompt and provide my worship experience? Or am I coming overflowing with praise and thanksgiving because of all that God has done and all that, how he showed himself to me during the week. And and I can't wait to get here to bubble that over and to overflow that with the rest of my, my friends and brothers and sisters, Victory Point. I'm gonna invite the band forward. We're gonna gonna like just, that's challenge is done, invitation now. We're just gonna, I wanna invite us for the rest of our time that we have together this morning just to worship, just to worship God in lots of different ways, not just with singing, but with our whole life. I want to invite you to choose to respond to God with all of who you are. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep looking at different psalms, you know, throughout the morning as our common worship language. We're going to let the psalms speak for us because they're such a gift to us in worship. We're going to let them speak to us and express for us. We're going to do what they say this morning. And and I'm not going to judge anybody but myself. I'm only going to take responsibility for myself this morning. That's all I ask you to do. Just be responsible for yourself this morning and your heart's posture. Because here's the deal. We will never have these moments again, ever. 
These next moments that we're going to spend in this room together for the next, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, we'll never have these moments again. And I want to be a good steward of them. I want, to, I want to be a good steward of my time. I want to be a good teammate to you in my time together with you this morning because we're all running the same race. I want to do my part. I, I want to get to the, when, we, when I walk out the door this morning, I want to look back on what just happened in here and say, I gave it my all. I was all in. I responded well. That's my hope this morning. And I invite you to join me in that because we get to worship our Father this morning. It's not like we, 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 we have to. We have the privilege of worshiping God this morning as community of all different ages and all different spots on the journey. We get to worship God this morning and declare to him what he's worth to us. So let's do that this morning. Let's stand. We're gonna start by singing a song. Might be a new song to you. Comes directly from Psalm 134. And we're just gonna cry out worship to God this morning. You guys can have a seat. Uh, by the way, Drew, I love watching you drum back there. Like, it's so sad. Drew has to go to college on Friday, and he's going to be gone for a long time. But uh, thanks for using your gifts, all you guys, and leading us in worship this morning. So I just want us to experience this morning and, and realize and know, I know we know this, but worship is way more than singing. Worship is all of life. Okay, um, worship includes lots of different expressions. Um, and one of those is confession. And we're gonna enter into a, a time of worship through confession right now. See, throughout the Psalms, just think about this. Like there's 150 Psalms written by David and Solomon and, and other authors. Throughout the Psalms, the Psalmists write about the worship of God and all different kinds of expressions. And their words, their words translate into English with words like worship in praise, and in, in thanksgiving. But they take on a way deeper dimension and flavor when you look at them in the original Hebrew. For instance, there's seven Hebrew words that we translate into the English word praise. Okay, there's seven Hebrew words. And each one of those Hebrew words um, is defined by a, actually a, a physical posture, a physical posture of worship. In the book of Psalms, Here's what it means to praise. Whenever you come across the word praise in English, when you're reading the Psalms, it could mean one of these expressions. It could mean to kneel, to bow down, to prostrate yourself, to fall down, to, to fall down flat on your face, to, to just sing out or to sing a new song, a spontaneous song. It could mean to extend your hands in praise like some of you were doing in that last song. Whenever you see the word praise in the Psalms, it often includes a, 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 a physical posture that correlates with that. See, like, I hope we don't think this, raising your hands in worship is not a new modern thing. It's not something like with the new praise and worship that that's what people do. For 3,000 years, people have been clapping their hands, raising their hands, lying down, dancing, crying out in worship. But, but just, you know, the, the physical posture is a portion of worship. It's a legitimate expression of worship. But even more important than the outside, right, is, is the inside. It's the inside. It, what about our heart's posture when, when we come to worship. See, worship flows out of our hearts. So it's, it's healthy to ask the question when, when we gather like this, how's your heart? 
How's your heart this morning? What's your heart's posture this morning? Is there, is there anything in there that needs to be dealt with, you know, in the presence of God? Is there anything in there that needs to be admitted or confessed? Is there anything in there, you know, um, that you just need to repent of? Uh, is, there, is there sins in there that you just need to name? God, it's not like you're telling God something he doesn't know. But, but like you just need to let him know that you know that that's there and that's not right. And, um, or, and sometimes I think we only limit sins to the things we've done. You know, but, but don't forget like the sins of omission too. Like are, are there sins of omission that, that you need to deal with with the Lord? I, I always think of um, Matthew 25 when Jesus does the, he shares a parable about the sheeps and the goats. In, in all those questions, you know, he asked to separate sheep from goats. He says, you know, I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was in jail, you didn't visit me. You know, I was this, you didn't. Like, so there, there's definitely like sins of omission, things that we should do that we don't do. So, you know, both can be in our hearts, you know, when, when we come into a setting like this. You know, maybe it's things like worry or anxiety or fear. Those, those are things that are in our hearts. Um, I, I think uh, in a legitimate expression of worship is confession. So uh, Crozier is going to read Psalm 51. Um, don't focus on his biceps when he's up here because, you know. But uh, he's going to read Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, he's just going to read the first seven verses. Again, familiar verses, I'm thinking. Um, th- this is a psalm that King David wrote uh, right after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan on his adultery with Bathsheba. It's a, it's a powerful story and out of repentance and out of um, a desire to worship God through confession, he penned the words to Psalm 51 and he's going to read the first seven verses. These are Matt's glasses. Which I resist wearing as, whenever possible. Right. Hopefully you don't ever need them wearing. <clears throat> Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Thanks, Crow. So let's just, let's just act on this. Let's worship through confession. I'm just going to invite you to just take a couple minutes. I think Brendan or Jackie is going to play some music. And uh, this is just between you and the Lord right now. But I'm inviting us to pause Talk to the Lord on whatever needs to be talked about regarding the posture of your heart right now.
whatever is in your heart right now that needs to be declared or claimed or admitted, um, it's safe to do that with the Lord. He's a good father and he loves you. He knows everything about you. He wants to free you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. Um, You already have that available to you. So just access that right now, just in a time of confession. go back to Psalm 100 that Liam read at the beginning. Verse 4, remember? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. That reminds me of what Paul writes in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, and then this. Give thanks in most circumstances. Give thanks in circumstances that are good. No, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving is an act of worship. Whenever we give thanks, we are worshiping the the giver of what we're thanking him for. Thanksgiving is worship. Gratitude is a choice. Saying thanks out loud is one of the simplest ways of worshiping God. Saying thanks. This is something we practice a lot in our missional communities. Just circling up and everybody go around and and everybody say one thing you're thankful for. That's just such a neat time and a powerful time sometimes of of worship as a community. I mean, think about it. If you're a parent, anybody who is a parent, you know, of whatever age children, whenever your children say thanks, doesn't that just do something to your heart? I mean, isn't that just a cool thing? Especially when you don't tell them to say thanks. Like, hey, say th- you should say thanks. You know, and they just do it. They say thanks. Like, that's so special. Can you imagine our Heavenly Father, like what it's like for him when his children who are living such busy, distracted lives pause and say thank you and, and acknowledge all the things that are in their lives that they take for granted, that they breeze on by and like, holy cow, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Even in the midst of of battle and challenge. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's, we're going to do that this morning. I want you to just take like 30 seconds and maybe take your, your notes 
um, or grab a, a connect card, use the back of a connect card. I, here's my challenge. I would like everyone to come up with three things you're thankful for this morning. Three things, okay? Work at it right now. Write them down or put them in your mental memory, okay? Because you're gonna need them in just a second. Three things you're thankful for. Mint right there. Got your three things? So we're going to, like, as one voice, say thanks to God for the things we're thankful for. So I'm going to say, like, Father, this morning, we, the Victory Point family, thank you for, then I want you to just say out loud the things you're thankful for. Like, just one right after another, simultaneously. Okay, like, don't wait for your turn, because your turn is all together. Okay, We don't have to understand everything that's being said because we're saying thanks to a father who hears every single word from every single person perfectly and clearly. So it's just gonna be a a symphony of praise and thanks. Okay, so why don't we stand? Because then after we do that, after we do that, we're gonna sing and express thanks by receiving an offering this morning. Because that's another way we say thanks is, Lord, we're thankful for all that you've given us we're just, this is just a humble giving back to you. So we're going we're gonna to sing and collect an offering after we express worship through thanks this morning. So you got your three in mind? You got them in front of you? You ready to go? Okay, ready? Heavenly Father, the Victory Point family, we worship you this morning and give you thanksgiving for... Let's sing and let's an offering. You guys can have a seat. That was based on Psalm 40. It's actually called 40, right? Is that the name of the song, Brendan? By you two. I like you two. Love you two. All right. So we've worshiped God just by simply declaring his worth through praise and adoration and song. We worship the Lord through confession. We worship the Lord by naming what we're thankful for. And you know what? I think another expression of worship we see in the Psalms is, is asking. You know, supplication might be a big word, but, but simply asking God for what we are in need of. I think of Psalm 86. Psalm 86, hear these words. The psalmist writes, hear me, Lord. And answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, you're forgiving and good and abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. The Psalms are full of people crying out, lamenting, you know, asking for God to show up into a situation, into a moment, into a life. 
God desires his children to ask him for things. Jesus talks about this a lot. He, he weaves it into the Lord's prayer. It's okay. He, the, our father expects us to ask him for things. And asking God, going to God in a posture of humility and humbleness and, and asking him for things is an expression of worship because it, it reflects that we know who the source of all good things are. That's the one we're going to in our asking. So I just want you to take a minute, just like we did with, with thankfulness, maybe on your message notes on the back of a connect card. Like, what is one thing that, that you're just, like the psalmist says in, in Psalm 86, that you're crying out for, that you're asking the Lord for, that maybe you're in distress about something and you're, you're looking to God, you know, to intervene. Um, like, what is it? What is some, like, this is your time. What's something that you're asking God for? Could be a really big thing. Could be a simple thing, but whatever it is, what, what's something you're asking God for this morning you wanna ask him for? Just jot that down, identify it, name it. If you wrote it down, great. Uh, put it in your hand. If you didn't write it down, like just put your hands out like this as an expression of a posture of, of asking. Just, we just kind of lift those up together right now. Father, look at your people, your sons and your daughters, your beloved children that you delight in. Lord, each one of us has something going on in our life. A lot of us have lots of things going on in our life. But, but Lord, the, whatever's in our hand right now, this is something as an expression of worship we're bringing to you, our Father, our God, our King. And we're asking for help. We're asking for mercy. We're asking for provision. We're asking for assistance. We're asking for you to show up. We're asking for you to answer and Lord, we, we, we offer this as an act of worship because we're acknowledging that, that we know the one we need to go to in times of need. We know the one that we, we need to seek in, in moments of, of need. And, and so Lord, listen to your children. Meet us where we are. Come through. Show up. Make us aware of your presence even in the midst of the battle, the wilderness, the journey, the desert. We worship you even, Lord, in our asking this morning. I ask Elena to come up here. I know I told her that she could do this from her seat, but I, I changed my mind. Um, we're acknowledging that we know where our help comes from. And she's gonna, she's gonna remind us where our help comes from in Psalm 121. 
I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thanks, Elena. All that's true. And all that is in response to whatever it is you're asking God for right now. He, he may answer it the way you want. He may answer it the way he thinks best. Sometimes those are different. But what's true is that's true. He's with you. you he, Help will come from him. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He's not going to fall asleep when he watches over you. He's your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day. The moon by night will keep you from harm. He'll watch over your life. All that's true of you. So in the peace of that, in, the, in resting in that, let, let's, let's sing that. Let's declare that. We're going to we're going to stand and sing, and we're going to close out with a few songs now. We're going to sing, I Lift My Eyes, based right on Psalm 121 that Elena just reminded us of.